Hi, I'm Mario Evan, and you're listening to Talk Trot, a weekly inspired entertainment podcast discussing the things that most people are afraid to, but from a Jamaican perspective. From relationships, sex and sexuality, to the ins and outs of entrepreneurship, in this space we speak about almost anything with the intention to inspire, educate, entertain, and create a fair and balanced space where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Wagwan family, you're listening to episode number 32 of Talk Truth. <laughs> a place where your truth shall become your power and set you free. You're done already. It's your boy Mario Evan. And I am glad to be here another Sunday, especially in these trying times. Today is a solo podcast and it's about the hot topic, the thing, the thing that's everywhere. And that would be the COVID-19 virus. And strangely enough, as a doctor, I never really wanted to talk about it. It wasn't a topic I wanted to tackle. But to give you guys a little bit of a summary of what I'm going to do today in the solar podcast is I am going to talk a little bit about the facts in the beginning about the virus because it would be remiss of me not to. So I will do that quickly. But what I really want to get into is the psychological and emotional responses that many of you, my friends, my family, my listeners are going through and I collected some responses through Twitter and Instagram by just asking people, what are some of your greatest fears and concerns around the COVID-19 virus and the pandemic? And a lot of the responses were similar, but some of the wording and some of the way, the ways that people said how they felt, um, I can only really share it using their own words. And I plan to do that in this episode. So today's episode, episode 32, we're going to be talking about COVID-19 and I'm going to call this part one because <laughs> from what we see in there will be many parts to this saga before it ends and and it's going to end. Um, what I'm going to do first of all is really just read a one pager and even though I'm saying it's a one pager it's packed with information. It is actually the COVID-19 one pager created by the Providence St. Joseph Health and um, it pretty much goes through the different aspects of the viruses, starting with the name. It is actually called SARS-CoV-2 and commonly called the COVID-19 virus. And just to be clear, COVID-19 is the disease and not the virus. And this is where I plug my medical series, Medicine With Me, which is on my medical YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Guthrie. That's my surname, M-A-R-I-O-G-U-T-H-R-I-E. And if you head over to that channel and you should subscribe to it and like and listen, you will see videos of me explaining medical things simply. And of course, I start with COVID again because it is really what everyone has questions about. So I have a couple of videos up right now about social distancing, flattening the curve, you know, testing in Jamaica specifically and things along that lines. And there will be a video on getting the terms right. And COVID-19 is the disease. COVID-19 virus is the virus that causes disease. And COVID-19 virus is the same as SARS-CoV-2. Uh, to move on and talk a bit about the biology of it, as most of you know, they thought it possibly came from bats for the, the non-conspiracy theorists of us all. 
Um, the rest of us probably think that it is chemical warfare and somebody planted it in the market. And whether China is doing it to regain control or it's a joint for joint venture of certain countries like I'm not calling, I'm not getting into it. I'm a scientist, so I am more along the lines of wanting to think that this is actually real. <laughs> so that may be hard for some people to believe, but that's kind of how I feel. And right now, the predominant spread is person to person spread via droplet, even though it seems like people may be able to spread the disease while asymptomatic. The viral load is highest when you have your symptoms, which means that you are at greater risk of spreading it when you are symptomatic. But it seems like it's possible that positive people who don't have symptoms or very mild symptoms that they may not notice may be able to spread the disease if you get close enough to them. Um, what they do not think is that this is uh, airborne. But there is something that they think it could be, which is aerosol. And what aerosol is, is when the virus leaves your mouth through the droplets, the droplets remain in the air briefly before they fall to the ground. A little bit different from airborne. But what it means is that if you happen to come into quick contact with aerosol, then you could potentially get it without actually touching the droplets and putting it to your eyes, nose or mouth. Interesting things. Um, in terms of timeline, China notifies WHO on the 31st of December about this thing. Um, apparently, they were getting warnings from a doctor who picked up signs that something was wrong. Unfortunately, he has passed. And um, disease continued to spread in China from the Wuhan province and out widely and then it started to hop on planes and the u.s had its first case in seattle and that was january 15 and um jamaica had our first case documented or announced on march 10 which was a female traveler from the uk who arrived in the country on the 4th of march to attend a funeral and to visit her home uh who declared it a pandemic on the 11th of march so that's funny. After Jamaica announced its first case on the 10th of March, it was announced a pandemic on the 11th. And on the 12th of March, the United States declared a national emergency. Uh, Jamaica had done the same as well. We're hearing stuff about the mortality. Uh, the mortality is about 1%, which is pretty high um, when we're looking at the whole world being affected. Uh, as we see in Italy, as of this date, I'm recording on the 28th of March, by the way, Italy has hit over the 10,000 mark per day of deaths and they're mainly being affected up in the northern parts of Italy, in Lombardy. And um, the reason why they think a lot of people are dying in Italy is because Italy has the second largest elderly population to Japan. And persons who have underlying diseases or who are elderly have a greater predisposition to succumbing to, to the illness um, and that is not to say that people aren't dying at all ages, right? It's pretty scary. And I mean, because it's viral, the main mechanisms that we're using are non-pharmaceutical ones, not using drugs. And those include social distancing, which really means we can't be hugging, shaking hands, touching, congregating in large groups, no parties, no weddings, no funerals. Everybody has to kind of just stay indoors stay away 
and it's difficult. Schools are closed, children are being homeschooled. It is an intense time. And the social distancing leads to what we call flattening the curve, where we try not to have a rapid spread of a disease in a population, which causes a very steep bell curve. But instead, we prevent people from running into others who are sick with the disease to have a slower spread over a longer period of time to flatten this bell curve and um, decrease the risk of our healthcare system buckling under the pressure of, of, of patients running in. Uh, the symptoms, the most common ones, 65 to 80% of people have cough, 45% have fever on presentation, but 85% have a fever during the illness at some point. So fever and cough are very common. Fatigue, or what we call dyspnea in medicine, 20 to 40% also common. And then less common, you have some runny nose, kind of upper respiratory tract symptoms, and you have gastrointestinal symptoms. A few people might get a little bit of diarrhea as well, like 10%. Terms of lab tests, you um, people are doing, we're doing nasopharyngeal swabs, um, plus or minus or oropharyngeal swab, or testing the mucus or the sputum that you cough up, the cold that you bring up, if you can bring it up. And that's what's being tested via polymerase chain reaction, PCR techniques, where pretty much you find viral uh, particles, but RNA particles, which are part of the, the genetic structure, and you amplify it. And that's the technique. It's complicated, but um, long and short is you're finding virus, you're amplifying virus to see more of it, and you're using that to determine a positive or a negative test. In terms of imaging, chest x-ray, CT scans, you, you have a lot of cloudy looking um, marks on the x-rays which which oftentimes is fluid accumulating in the lungs or infection right now the best thing to do is to not run into doctor's offices as our health advisory state we call a hotline which is where you speak to people who are trained to give you guidance based on your symptoms and then determine how you present thereafter whether it's to the hospital or to be tested or whether you just stay in quarantine in terms of treatment there is no formal treatment for most viral illnesses which means that you have to pretty much make it run its course kind of like influenza like the flu but there are many 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 medications that people are experimenting with which include some that patients who have hiv use uh, chloroquine oseltalib Oseltamivir, sorry, different drugs um, that will either prevent the virus from entering cells or damage the cell in some way, damage the virus in some way, I'm sorry, not the cell. So those are all experimental and the problem with those is that in medicine we use what we call clinical trials where we use numbers, tests, formally run tests with large numbers, of, large enough sample populations to give us results that will be deemed valid <laughs> you can't really run a test or one or two or three people nor is it easy to run a trial while the disease is moving around from country to country because you cannot really get an accurate idea of the effect of these drugs over over time or the side effects is is really a bit of trial and error and a lot of the countries utilizing some of these drugs are doing it at, at the risk um, of potentially harming the patient but 
a lot of the times the patients who they're trying these things on are the critically ill anyway. So it's kind of like death or death, right? So you, you choose. Uh, but it's a tricky time. Otherwise, we social distance, we watch our symptoms, we stay home. Unless we develop severe symptoms and we call the hotline and we figure out where to take it from there if we need to go to a hospital. But all of this is being done to prevent spread and protect those who, who can contract the disease easily like medical personnel or other people that interface with a lot of humans on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, I use a rough 80-15-5 percentage where 80% of people who get the illness are likely to recover and be fine. 15% might be severely ill and 5% will be critically ill. And the critically ill are the people that would end up on ventilators. Uh, I want to make it clear about how a lot of people who develop COVID die. Um, it can be from a pneumonia, which is what we call superimposed. Um, so it's like, say, you get a viral illness, you can't treat it with antibiotics, your immunity is reduced, and in trying to recover from that viral illness, you end up getting bacterial illnesses. And bacterial infections you can treat with antibiotics, and that's the joy of that. Um, may not always work. You can still die from a pneumonia, but at least, usually, there is an antibiotic that can possibly help you to recover from it. The other cause of death, though, antibiotics cannot treat, and that's called acute respiratory distress syndrome, ARDS. And what that causes is a lot of inflammation in the lungs, and you get a lot of fluid in the lungs. It's almost like you're drowning. Your lungs are drowning. And this is where the ventilator comes in. And the ventilator will pretty much breathe for you, for you, allow you to expand your lungs until you can pretty much resorb, absorb all of the fluid that is in these lungs. And once that happens, hopefully you will be able to recover without significant damage to your lungs and kind of function normally again is the hope. But this is not the outcome for many. The, the inflammation and the fluid in the lungs sometimes is just way too much and people die and um, for the steep curves where there are a lot of people getting sick at the same time there are not enough ventilators there are not enough beds there are not enough resources to keep these people alive so they die and when it comes down to healthcare providers having to choose between who is more fit to live or die that's hard you know that's a decision that we always we want god to make we don't want to ever be a human entity having to make that decision of who will live and who will die but um in these times with these kind of numbers you will have to decide who stays and who goes and i can imagine that there will be a significant amount of post-traumatic stress disorder um, in healthcare workers especially those who work in icus or in intensive care units who have had to make literally difficult decisions about the lives of, of people ripping away somebody's family member from 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 them because they, they don't have a choice and and it's really hard to be a layperson and even to be a doctor and um understand the logistics of that and how that works it's really tricky well, what I'm going to do right now, I am going to get right into some of the responses that people gave. So that was the disease in a nutshell. 
um, there's so many details about it and because it is so popular now, the research is very, very intense. So the information changes rapidly. And that's the weird thing about a pandemic, especially with a virus, that even though the coronaviruses are not a new family of viruses, this particular virus is brand new and it means no one had immunity to it and it's highly contagious apparently very infectious and that that is where the problem is and there's so many things coming out day by day as we learn more and more about this virus and sadly as people die but beautifully as many also recover my voice has been sounding like this for weeks i don't know what the hell is popping anyway so i took the twitter and i asked my tweets a wonderful question and the question was what are some of your greatest COVID-19 fears? I'm asking as I prepare for the Talk Truth episode. They can be emotional fears, medical, for your family, anything. Be open with me and thanks in advance for your feedback. Um, my friend Jai, Jai said, I say concern rather than fear per se. The short-term versus long-term effects on our economy, which was looking prosperous, sigh, but I'm sure if we avoid the mistakes Italy and Wuhan made, we may be able to return to normalcy in half the time they took. Optimistic. I'm going to read a few more before I comment. Uh, AK Christmas says, Fear of endangering my family with the disease because of my job. She's a doctor. Um, fear of having to make the terrible medical decisions they're having to make in Italy. Fear of what we'll be left with when this is all over. Al Gardner says, The length of time this will take to peak before it goes down. Randy T. Rose says, one, that I get it without realizing, spread it to my parents, and two, that I get it and it kills me because my lungs decided to be weak fences. All right, so even in, in all of this, there's a lot of anxiety about personal health and a big, big recurring theme will be about spread to parents for people who still have parents and grandparents or aunts and uncles who live with them people who are probably over the age of 70 who share space. It's a legitimate concern, especially as a lot of the younger working force may still be going out to work, even though they are working under restricted conditions. Um, not everyone can work from home. And here in Jamaica, if you cannot do your job from home, you're considered essential and you need to go into work. Um, but what if you come into contact with people, surfaces at work and potentially bring it home? and infect your family members, young or old. You know, there is a significant amount of fear tied to the guilt of causing that, and a lot of us don't want to ruminate on it. Um, I find most people aren't so much concerned about themselves dying. Some are, but more, depending on the age group, I think, more are concerned about passing it on because they feel like they're at an age where they'll bounce back. Uh, I love at this time to emphasize that even though older people are more predisposed to getting it or dying from it, it does not mean that young people aren't dying from it. So I want young people to kind of remember that you're not immune or invincible to COVID-19 and that there are young people who are dying. And I have a good friend who postulates that some young people may smoke and vape and that maybe the vaping and smoking has caused lung damage that they're unaware of. So sometimes in younger people, who who demise 
pretty much the underlying logic is that you may have things that you don't know you have. <laughs> so you're like, I'm young and I'm fit, I'm 25 and I'm great. I've never been to a doctor. But that doesn't mean that you don't have an underlying condition that has just never been discovered. And maybe that may put you at greater risk. And I think even in the absence of an underlying condition, I think some people will just have more severe disease. That's always disease process in life. Some will get it worse than others, you know. Some get cancer, some don't. Some, some both people could be exposed to the same influenza virus and some just have sniffles and others are kill me dead fever. Them can't live. So don't enter into the world, into the space, thinking that you're invincible and abide by the rules because the rules are there for a reason. I'm going to read some more responses. Um, at Caribe Wellness said that we aren't being radical enough in our response. The systems we had pre-pandemic are not going to just automatically ease us into our response. Private sector, public sector collab is necessary. Party lines, we don't have time for that. We have capacity we are not using. Good points. Um, Jamaica has been high up on the list as one of the more aggressive countries in terms of our response, and I applaud the government for it. Yet the last um, press conference that I heard, they said that they've only tested 250 people, 30 of which were positive at the time. In this current moment on Saturday, March 28, as I record for tomorrow's airing, we have gone up to 32 confirmed cases and one death. And I'm sure a lot more testing continues. But 32 of 250 is not a bad statistic. But for a disease that spread so rapidly, given that it has been here from at least the 4th of March, more than likely before that, 250 tests is just not enough. So I really do agree that testing needs to be more rapid or more widespread if we want to use positive tests as a marker to decide who to quarantine or isolate because um, if we don't know what our statuses are, then we potentially run the risk of infecting others. It's just like HIV, you know, in that regard. Just Josh says he is afraid of giving it to someone else who won't survive it. So Josh assumes that he will survive it as well. Um, future good gals say, wondering if there are different strains of the virus. I don't know if I'm overthinking based on some information I read or watched. Um... Who is to tell if there is another strain yet? I doubt it right now. But um, who knows? Um, Kelly McIntosh says, I'm concerned about the people who aren't earning now and for those who will lose their jobs in short term. I'm concerned about those sitting critical exams. What happens next? I know what it's like not to be able to get enough oxygen. I'm scared of the, of the virus. Um, Tony says, potential loss of jobs and income. Especially persons who don't have adequate savings or investments, increased hardship, fear of death for family and friends, and anxiety as the result is unknown. <sighs> um, guys, as you can hear in this episode, I don't really want it to be drab, but I mean, when I tweeted this a couple of days later, I thought, let me ask the other question, you know, what's the brighter side of this? Maybe I tweeted it too late, maybe I tweeted it at a time when people weren't paying attention, but only one person responded. And and she said she hopes that people will stop being nasty and wash their hands, you know, <laughs> which was funny. But it's funny how when I asked the fears and concerns around the disease, I had a myriad of responses. Like, I, I don't even think I can get through all of them 
in this episode, whereas when I asked about the silver lining, you know, there there wasn't much to be said. And it, it goes to show the proportion of of concern and anxiety that exists. And um I'm just gonna speed through a few more because I kinda want to talk about my take on my experience and my some of my fears and also how I think we all can cope a bit more. Um Rulisian says that I get it and pass on to my mother who's seventy seven. Debbie says, same here, I'm on drugs for myositis, so very low immune system. Um, isolating for next 12 weeks is the advice. I'm so scared of getting the virus. Both my parents are 86. Um, Kayla Moore says, anxiety, immense anxiety. Having to go out there and mix up with everybody, putting my family at risk, members of my family, putting the rest of us at risk because they have to go out for work. I am not okay in my mind. I'm literally walking around with my resignation letter. Rick Dees says Americans and Europeans won't start traveling for leisure for about one to two years after COVID has passed, is, is his opinion, thereby de de decimating our tourism sector in the short term. The the, he also says the, catas the catastrophic, that was so hard, levels at which the American government is bungling its COVID-19 response will add another 18 to 24 months to the lifespan of the epidemic. Um... H. Pinock says she is afraid of one, dying because of her pre-existing medical conditions, and two, her family and friends dying, and three, her country specifically, and the world generally going into deep, debilitating economic depression. Um, Tara Beatty says sharing it to my parents. Sam S. says anxiety not knowing who has it and who does not. Overall uncertainty of the whole epidemic. Um, and again, as I scroll through, just generally... Fear of spread to parents, fear of economic crisis, fear of tourism sector not picking up, generalized anxiety, lack of resources is the general consensus. Um, since it's talk truth and all these things and it's a solar podcast, I just wanted to share my situation and some of my fears and some of what I've been doing, which some of you have been seeing. And, and because we are a family here as talk truth as I may not have a clear strategy as to what I'm doing, but I'm going to share through my headspace. You all may know I'm an entrepreneur and I've been an entrepreneur since I went to music school in 2007. I've never worked full time since I went to music school. I've only been a sessional doctor um, in some facilities or working in my private practice. Outside of that, I'm a musician. I do not look at them either jobs as hobbies. I look at both of my jobs as professions and I look at both of them as almost equal in terms of providing income for me. There are seasons when music is better than than other seasons and medicine tends to be relatively consistent but because I'm an entrepreneur it's not. So the two things combined to form my salary. Currently one of my jobs is totally dead. There are no weddings, there are no funerals, there are no corporate functions, there are no gigs. I'm not making money from performance. Private practice is slow because people are told to stay home. So people are coming out, but not, not in the numbers that they were coming out in. So private practice is slow. That leaves for me Bustamante, which is the hospital, and I get a few sessions there. Um, sometimes, um, and, and they're based on availability. And then there's medicals at the other company I work for, the insurance company. And that's pretty consistent as well. But it still is a cut, a significant cut, 
in the income that I'm used to getting. So what am I going to do? What am I doing? Um, we have telemedicine. There's a company called MD Link, and this is not an ad. And they offer telemedicine services. So I signed up. Um, I believe also people can be gen be genius, be smart. Use your company websites and use PayPal. Use use other services to set up. Use a Google document, collect information about what um, medium people want to communicate in, and set up a page and let them pay by PayPal and then set up a Zoom meeting, a Skype meeting, and make some money online if you're consulting people. You know, um, I'm also. I've always wanted to create more content. It was my aim for 2020. So for me, I'm using this time to build my Mario Evan YouTube channel and my Mario Guthrie YouTube channel. One is musical, one is medical. One is entertainment and one is medical. And it's not so strategic as much as I had always wanted to do it. I just have a bit more time and there's a bit more urgency. So I figure now is the time to try and make that YouTube money, you know? Uh, function as an influencer. I hate the word, but I mean, truthfully, why not? I mean, I'm already in this public sphere, so why not try and make income through the online space, which is kind of where everybody's hovering now, and really, like, drowning people grappling to figure out what to do. Like, everybody has gone live. Every time I go up on my Instagram, people are go live. I'm like, nobody's advertising. There's no strategy. People are just live. Singing in their house, just live. <laughs> And I, I have to admit a part of me appreciates the hustle in it, but a part of me hates the randomness of it and the panic in it. You know, it, it seems to be unsupported by any logic. It's just kind of what we're becoming. It's kind of probably a new way of life and we just kind of have to adjust to it. So for me, those are some of the things I'm doing. Telemedicine, online money, through um, YouTube, I am pretty much thinking of anything under the sun that can make me money that doesn't involve me to go out on the road. And, and I'm shameless about it. Um, what I do encourage you guys to do as well, which is the next very important phase of this is, how are you scaling down? You know, I'm a Jamaican, so I respect that some people are coming from no refrigeration, eating straight out, um, of a tin can to a coal pot for roast a breadfruit to a one burner to a gas stove to an electrical stove likewise hanging your clothes outside on a piece of wire upon the line or putting it in a dryer you know we run the gamut of of socioeconomic classes and wherever we fall um me for instance i hang up my clothes but also have a dryer you know, what are some of the things that you're doing to conserve? There was a little old lady who used to live across the road from me. God, God bless her soul. She passed away. Miss, Miss Scott, when I lived in Havendale. And Miss Scott is an elderly woman on getting pension. Never was there a light on in that house. She probably like, she used to light candles sometime. And I'm like, I'm going to be just like Miss Scott. Because I plant a ton of every light in this backside house. I have some other like weird habits that I have too. So like when I think of cool business names, company names, I go and buy the URLs. <laughs> so I am a hoarder of um, domains. Some of those bitches are going to be cancelled. Because I will not sit down and make less money, yet be spending money still. 
So I want you all to sit back and re-examine how you can cut. If you can cut your cable and keep your internet, do that. If you can hang out your clothes more than use a dryer, fine. If you can cut down the lights that are on, think about this now and do it now because the truth is that we don't know how long this is going to last. I am anticipating most countries are going to go through months of, of, of shutdown and scale down and I'm thinking like five months. Five is like the number in my head that you will be living a somewhat modified version of what you thought was normal for at least five months. And that doesn't mean that we won't have second um, waves of, of disease spread that could change our lives for like a year. <laughs> so, you know, for the people who aren't taking this serious, I hope that you're wrapping your head around what a recession looks like and what an economic bounce back looks like. You may be eating something sausage for a while. So don't wait to get used to it. Wrap your head around the fact that you're going to have to modify from now. I'm modifying from now. I am an early adapter, you know, that's my thing. So me say, well, go on across the world and me just start signing up for things and create videos and do things. But now wait for nobody to tell me nothing. Because me don't say, well, go on. I mean, don't realize what the lockdown look like. So me now wait till 100, 100 people depend on YouTube, 100 more people depend on YouTube, even though there's space there for everybody. I am coming now. <laughs> And you should come with me. All right. So that's my take. That's my two cents on my situation. And also my two cents on just thinking outside of the box because you're going to have to reinvent. Many of you may work for corporations and corporate entities. So your salary is locked, but it's not locked because companies may have to lay off people to remain profitable. And business is about profit. So no one is safe. <laughs> no man or woman or child is safe right now. Kids who have exams to do have to reshuffle. Right? So it's it's a totally different time. Um, so let's talk a little bit about coping mechanisms. And I just want to share some of the nice things that I've seen um, around COVID-19. And basically, you know how we move forward and and I think how we need to recalibrate our minds. Um, there's a video circulating with the WHO Director General, Dr. Tedros, and he said a few couple of, a couple of things that I stole from his video. He says, look after your physical and mental health. Have a balanced and healthy diet. Limit alcohol consumption and sugary drinks because he's suggesting that alcohol will kind of decrease immunity, put you at greater risk of contracting the virus if you don't have it. Um, don't smoke. Exercise 30 minutes per day for adults and an hour per day for kids. Walk, run, ride. Um, do a home workout. Do some yoga, dance to some music. Make a TikTok video. Just don't be sedentary for too long and sit down in your house in one position. Change positions, do new things. In terms of the mind, um, stress, confusion and anxiety are very normal right now. This is expected. So don't beat up yourself for feeling them. But um, talk to those who are around you, who you trust and who you love. Um, get advice from people who know better if you are confused about the material out there. It's a great time to reach out to old friends and to your neighbors and to reconnect with your family. Um, play a game, watch a movie, do something on Zoom. Um, most, most importantly, 
Oh, he also said, sorry, I, want, I was going to go off script. He said, get information from reliable sources once or twice a day. And reliable sources would include the Center for Disease Control, which is the CDC, and also the World Health Organization, the WHO. And if you have news stations that you watch, like CNN, reliable people, you can get information from there. And of course, whichever country you're in, always tap into your local health ministry to know what's going on in your country. But stop reading all of this crap that some people are throwing out. And I mean, I'm not trying to say that everything has to run through scientific testing, but there's so many things about what to do. Like, I, I believe in alternative medicine, but I was trained in traditional medicine. I have never really been one to take vitamins and I'm still alive after all of these years. I believe a balanced diet is adequate to get all the micro, note the word, micronutrients called vitamins and minerals that we, we need. I think people think that you need them in these large quantities, you know. They're soluble and, and fat-soluble and water-soluble vitamins. Yo, if you, if you eat more than you need, you know, your body just go filter that out, you know. And people... As a doctor, I just want to know, stop taking medications for things you don't have. Panadol is to treat pain and fever. If you're not having pain or fever, don't take Panadol prophylactically. Don't take it to try and get rid of pain and fever that you don't have. Stop taking cold and fever medications for symptoms you don't have. <laughs> you're doing yourself more damage than good. Stop it. It's foolishness. And all, all, for all I want to wear a mix-up on a concoction and someone that have reflux and all sort of thing I burn out in the stomach with one bag or something. Stop it. I mean, if you end up being better after me at the end of the day, then I apologize, but I, I can't encourage the madness. You know, see the people that go, go eat the wrong chloroquine, the one who clean pool or whatever, the, the one, and one of them kill themselves and the other one in severe condition because they see chloroquine on the bottle and it's the wrong thing them, them ingest. We cannot operate like these people. Anyway, my final words on this um, is that we don't have any control. And this is a situation where we have no control and we have to make the best of the situation as it is. It's For those who believe in God or in a higher power, it is the universe's pause button. It's funny how the, the world, the earth, the universe, the creator, God, Whoever is responsible for this, just pull the mat from underneath how important all of us thought we were. All the appointments we had to make, all the places we had to be, all the gigs we had to do, all the plans we had. Lock down this thing. You understand? And it is amazing how we have to recalibrate when everything has to stop. You know, life is funny, you know, a little bit before all of this happened, you know, <laughs> I remember asking for a break. And after I asked for the break, I got sick in February, right after Ash Wednesday, I had a raging sore throat and a high fever. I wasn't thinking COVID at the time. I just figured it's regular, regular things, sore throat and things, which I don't normally get. Retrospectively, I'm wondering if it was COVID. I don't know. I wouldn't know. I had no cough. I had no shortness of breath. But... The moral of this story is that I asked for a break and I got sick and had to stay home. And then now, look upon the break when we get. <laughs> but I know me cause it here, so I don't do say I mean go out the thing. But <laughs> look at the break that we got. Um, this is a great time to feel an increased sense of community. I've started to walk in my neighborhood every morning since I cannot go to the gym because it's closed. And I've seen more people out there than I've ever seen and 
We say good morning to each other even though we say good morning from afar with sometimes weird looks on our faces. But but there's this weird sense of community in that we're all going through this together. Um, it's also a wonderful time for self-reflection. I do this a lot even before COVID, but it has thrown me into a whole new space. And um, it's interesting. I want you guys to really appreciate this enforced downtime. When will you ever have time like this again? <laughs> Serious to God, you probably won't. So watch Netflix, but yo, if you have a book idea, if you have a plan, now is the time. We're going bones back and you're going to need to be ready to come good with whatever you have, right? And I think most of all, if not anything, this whole pandemic has taught us to appreciate the little things, you know? When I walk in the morning, all I see is the sky and the mountains and I smell the air and I'm really, really present. And it's an interesting feeling to be that present because there's so much silence, there's so much stillness. It's like you really, you really have to embrace it. You have no choice. You have no choice. And um, I could go on and on and on about this, but I really just want you guys to remain calm, do the best that you can, social distance as much, much as you can. And, and if this thing does pick up and go into a phase where we're losing friends and loved ones and people who we never expected to lose. Let's just stand by each other and support each other. It's going to be a weird and difficult time, you know? I'm not afraid. I am pretty calm, actually. But it is scary to see what could potentially unfold. But um, that aside, I have faith. And I believe what is to be is to be. And if it's your time to go because of COVID... It might be your time to go. Make sure you write a will. This is a good time to do stuff like that. Prepare as best as you can. And if it's not your time to go and you survive this, which I hope most of us will, let us come out on the other side of it being a little bit more humane, a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more loving. And before I cut out, I just want to read some words that a friend of mine on the front line wrote. Um, and... The person actually wrote it today. The words are, The cloud will not pass until the lesson is learned. No matter who you believe in, no matter what you call him or her, God, the universe, energy, is trying to reset the current state of affairs. For too long, we have all been unkind to each other. All of the hate and isms that we exchange on a daily basis have reached an immeasurable level. Humanity has lost its humanism. We hear of soldiers joining forces and protecting each other in times of war and battle. Now that we face this medical crisis, I stand on the battlefield most days and rather than feeling supported, each of us feels alone. The medical community and the world at large have become more self-oriented than solidarity-based. People aren't kind, unhappy, unsavory and frankly toxic now more than ever forging forward and hearing the words in my head the cloud will not pass until the lesson is learned that's from my friend who's a doctor and wishes to remain anonymous but um hear those words because 
this probably is bigger than we even know. And the cloud will not pass until listeners learn. So dig deep within yourself and within this experience to figure out what lessons it is that you need to learn. Uh, it's a trying time, but again, we'll make it through, guys. Um, I call this one episode 32, COVID-19 <laughs> part one, because there will be many more parts. Thank you guys so much for listening to Talk Trot. You don't know. Um, before you go, you know what you need to do. You need to. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast in iTunes, and follow us on social media. That would be at Talk Truth JA on Twitter or Talk Truth. JA on Instagram and follow me on Instagram as well at Mario Evan. Use the hashtag TalkTruthJA or TT with me, <laughs> capital TT, common W, capital ME. And um, find all the episodes at TalkTruthJA.com or on your, on your podcasting app, or you can go to my podcast tab at my website, MarioEvan.com. If you need to shoot us an email, please send it to TalkTruthJA at gmail.com. Of course, if you enjoyed the episodes, screenshot, repost, tag us, show some love, comment on the Instagram page or wherever you'd like. And um, stay strong, guys. I'm Mario Evan, and you've been listening to Talk Truth, a place where your truth shall become your power and set you free. Until next Sunday, guys, please stay safe. Blessed love.